Hello all and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is June the 10th of 2020 and we are getting ready to begin the ending of this stream. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, we're now yeah. uh, 10 hours, just a little shy of 10 hours into a 12 hour long charity stream. We're currently raising money for the Do Nord Riot Recovery Fund. Uh, which is to help all the black and brown owned businesses over in Minnesota. And uh, we expect this to be a relatively small affair. We expected uh, to just do nonsense for a little bit. And much like uh, clowns at a train station to get uh, a small pittance of people saying, well, you buffoons have entertained me long enough. Here's a small nickel from my pocket. And instead, the community of this podcast has given uh, over $5,700 to this cause. Uh, which is absolutely beyond what we ever expected. It is uh, unfeasible in my mind. I never in my dreams imagined anything like $5,000. Yeah. Um, I, you, you asked me before, right before we started what you should kind of set our, uh, our goal mm-hmm. at, because we were going to have like a goal graphic that would slowly fill up. Uh, it didn't sync no. up, but... <laughs> It's it's worth knowing how bad we are. I shouldn't say bad we are. How bad I am at uh actually how, how inexperienced. Th- you know what? That's a good way of saying oh. that. That's a, a very good way of saying that. Uh the to know how all this stuff goes, but uh everyone has has been so awesome and we've had a lot of fun so far. Um we've 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 done some games, we punched some rats, we ranked all the Pokemon. <laughs> Uh, and hey, we just got a uh, $50 donation then from uh, Theodore Colbertson. So it just keeps, it just keeps coming. This, this has been an incredible experience. And uh, if we sound like we're fading, we might be because <laughs> we're fading a little bit. I'm, I'm actually much less physically tired than I thought I was oh, yeah. going to be just because the act of, you know, talking on a stream is more tiring than you would you would think if you haven't done uh-huh. it before. Uh, my throat is starting to get a little bit tired, uh, but it's mostly like I feel like taking a nap to, uh, just because like I need to like not do anything for a little my, bit. My, my challenge right now is probably somewhere about an hour ago. Start feeling it here. So I had some tea. Helped a lot. Still feeling it. So there's going to come a point where for some bit, I'm going to scream and it's all going to go. And it's going to be for something stupid. Like I'm going to be like, it's some act age thing. I'm going to be like fake angry. At like, I can't believe she did. Like, I, I'm, like I'm going to do that and it's going to be gone. And then I'm going to be like, so this week on We Never Learned. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I was Scotty Ray and else. I kind of want to get you like provoked no. now before we hit my, my, my sweet voice. Should also note, uh, because uh, this will be affecting the programming of the podcast, so to speak, that uh, one of the things that we did to encourage people to uh, generously donate to uh, the fund uh, was to offer up as a prize for donating. Just basically anyone would be eligible if they donated any amount whatsoever. Uh, the recommendation, yes. the next recommendation that we'll be working on. We have on it picked. And our, and we have it all picked out. I could announce it now, or I could announce it at the end of the... We'll, we'll, I'll announce we'll, it when, we'll announce it when we get there, because I, I it's technically my pick, but 
So we should also announce uh, the generosity shown during this was incredible. We had somebody who donated $1,000 on their own and somebody who donated $2,000 and so many more just incredible donations beyond that. Uh, We only were able to pick one person for this recommendation, but because there was such a a, a massive display from from those individuals, we wanted to give them. So we're going to reach out to to the people who donated the $1,000, $2,000. We're also going to get a recommendation from them. Uh, because this is to such a great cause, and uh, we were very touched, I think, by that amount, the, the, the generosity shown there. Yeah. So I I uh, can't um, say now what their picks are, and we they, don't know yet. If if they if we'll... if the first person's like I want Saint Seiya, and the next person's like Well, I want Detective Conan, and the person after that's like You should do Epo, they're probably not all going to be back to back, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll do, do them, them definitely. Oh, yes. Um, so we are going to just start things off with the regular uh, episode of the podcast, podcast. And then at the time that we do the uh, recommendations, we'll go through that. Uh, we'll go through the first one. Uh, I will go ahead and just say for now that uh, congratulations to Arjun the King for winning the mm-hmm. raffle, basically. And I think we got another $5 donation from Michael Johnston as well. Oh, thank you so Absolutely. much, thank guys. You. Yes, this uh, we for those of you who are listening to this in the future. At the time we are recording this, the twelve-hour charity stream is still yes. ongoing and is concluding with yep. this. They're capping so it off. We might interrupt. There might be brief interruptions every now and then to thank people for their generosity. Yes. So, okay, let us begin the recap portion of Weekly Manga Recap with My Hero Academia, chapter number two hundred seventy-four. Search. Endeavor is flying towards Shigaraki, and uh, Shigaraki basically stares past him as big flame guy is descending on him and just thinks to himself, I've got to get one for all. And he kind of, his eye basically just appears over the landscape beyond, and he spots these twinkling lights off in the distance. And as... uh, Endeavor descends on him, and this entire curtain of flame surrounds him. And Endeavor says, "Ah, oh, you can't get away with this." And he's, you know, trying to finish him off right there and tries to try to neutralize him. Shigaraki kind of dashes forward, swipes his hand in Endeavor's face. So he dodges out of the way, and just keeps on going past and flying past. And Endeavor realizes that there is no way that any person should be able to actually function within this all these flames without protection from the heat and he realizes as soon as he was burned by my flame he actually regenerated so he's starting to realize that shigaraki's got more than just his decay quirk to work with now uh more exchange of blows endeavor uh, tries to attack him again in a way that i don't really get but i think what happens is he tries to grasp at him and shigaraki's hand flies past him uh endeavor intercepts the blow and is like no you're not going to touch me but then he seems this wave of energy come from his palm and knocks him away and shigaraki emerges from the flames and the smoke and stuff and just comments that he feels as if he's been reborn with all of this power inside of him. Uh, He then goes to a little canister thing and uh, he puts some stuff in his pocket and then he also grabs his 
mask hand thing. Uh-huh. And as he's doing all this, he comments to himself, you know, that he's got all this power inside of him. So then why don't I feel satisfied? And that of course is because something is not there. He doesn't have one for all now. He thinks to himself as he never tries to attack again, that something inside of him is urging him, telling him to go after it to get one for all. And he says this last part out loud and endeavors like, you know, what is he talking about? And he actually says one for all out loud and over in the town where they're evacuating Bernin gets this message and he's like, one for what? Whatever. All right. Well, we're sending help for you. And Deku overhears this and he realizes that Shigaraki is after him. And meanwhile, Shigaraki has realized where one for all is because he saw the light of its of that quirk sparkling in the distance. And just as a quick little reminder of how he's doing that, we cut over to Ragdoll in the Pussycats headquarters and she just thinks, says aloud to herself, if only I had my search quirk, I could be helping everyone. It's an understandable does, does thing. Does she say it in like the... About, but in that moment for her to be uh, having to say that. Was she saying it in an iambic pentameter like you did it? <laughs> if only I had my... <laughs> if only I still had my... <laughs> my search quirk. Um, and so just, you know, a quick reminder of like, oh, so this is the search quirk kicking mm. in so that's, you know, Shigaraki knows where to find oh, this. Wow. Because we know that Did, that's... Didn't pick up on that. I'm dumb. I was just like, oh, we're just going to touch base with her. Kind of weird. The Pussycat stuff, something like it was last week, but whatever. <laughs> oh, because remember, all for one specifically yeah. saw the use of her quirk and wanted it to be stolen. And now we see exactly why. Uh, so presumably it's so that Shigaraki will always be able to track down uh, one yeah. for all. So so more evacuation proceeds. Shigaraki goes into a crouch and then just leaps through the air uh, at incredible speed. Endeavor warns everyone that uh, he's headed towards the evacuees. And he says, all right, start evacuating the outskirts as well. And you prefer, you know, a perimeter. Basically, he's just mobilizing everyone. And as everyone's mobilizing, Deku starts heading in the opposite direction. But as just as he starts to move, Bakugo says, hey, you know, if you told them what's going on, they would devote a lot of people to helping to protect you because heroes are supposed to protect everyone. And, you know, he just starts running alongside Deku and says, you've already made up your mind, right? And Deku says, yeah, I've got to prioritize the people's safety. And so Bakugo is like, well, we don't exactly know exactly. For, we don't know for sure what's going on, but still, we better get you moving. And so they start moving off. And of course, the other people in 1A are like, where are you going? And they just leave. And Deku just says, I'll just be right back. And Uraraka all watches her man leave and go into danger. Um, and so Deku thinks to himself, that if there is a way for Shigaraki to be tracking him, if he's able to pick out one for all among a big crowd, then I've got to get away from this crowd of people so that he so that he'll only come after me and not hurt anyone else in the way. And it's going to be basically Deku and Bakugo, it looks like, uh, facing off whatever danger comes their way when it arrives. So, yeah, uh, I'm actually pretty excited by the way that ends. Uh, I do like the idea of like the two of them working together as kind of this this progressing we're now seeing of the the Bakugo Deku relationship where they were enemies and then they were kind of reluctant friends. And then they had to have a big fight and then 
and he kind of became the only person in on the secret. And now he's like, hey, because I'm really the only person in on this secret, I'm here to watch your back. And it's also a way for him to kind of show up. I, I think I'm really excited to see what the two of them are going to be able to do together. I don't know what they could possibly just do shop, stop Shigaraki. He's he's like ultra mega super powerful right now. Yeah. He knocked away Endeavor like he was nothing. So what, did they, what the hell are they going to do? Yeah, so. but it is very exciting because you want like now is where you have to sit there. You're like, what? stops him like what prevents yeah. this from just being shigaraki kills deku the story is over kind of thing so and there's that there's gigantomaki is on the move toga's on a rampage so we were at a point you know early in the fight where it seemed like you know obviously you know things are going to turn against the heroes at some point but they're really just kicking ass over and over again and it seems like they've got the overwhelming advantage and now of course things have gone completely the other way and you it's like i really can't really see any circumstance where the villains just don't just kill everyone and yeah. win so and and i know some people are saying i know that his plan is to depower deku but as like what stops him i know that the that he wasn't technically 100% finished but it's the idea that he has the ability to just keep hunting Deku. He can always see now where Deku's power is and where one for all is. So even if they get Deku out of there, he could just keep going after them. So it's, it's this thing where there has to be some kind of stop to all of this or something, something's going to happen. It's going to be very big. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. No, no matter where Deku goes, he'll never be safe. Yeah. Basically. So super exciting. All right, let's move on to Actage, scene 115, Guaranteed Pass. Chris, you were just talking about how excited you uh, were. I, I, no, so here, I'm very excited for this chapter. I'm excited because people have told me something about this chapter, and it blows my mind. Oh, okay, are you, are you, are you going to save that for when we reach the Yeah, yeah, I'll, the I'll bring it up then. I'll, I'll bring okay, it up. Okay, okay. Uh, so... Kay is going in for an interview, as we saw at the end of the last chapter, to presumably play the actress that Kuriyama made the movie about years ago, that they went and saw the movie last chapter. We see at the beginning of this chapter that Kay actually went to Arisa and asked her if there was a guaranteed way to pass an audition. And Arisa's like, no, of course there fucking isn't. <laughs> Be the person that they want to have in the movie is basic or project rather is the answer. Like, you know, there are some things where, you know, they start with a role, they have a role with a particular actor in mind, and that's basically the only guaranteed audition that you can get. So she says this and then she points, says like, hey, do you understand why I rejected you at the audition last year? And Kay kind of is like, uh, personal preference. And Arch is like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Kay's like, I was right. (laughs) And I mean, she just flat out explains like, yeah, you know, the direct the director and the casting team just have a vision and they have certain preferences. And then the person who best matches them from what they see in the auditions and what is just who they pick. There is not a test that you pass. Uh, so. No, <laughs> yeah, basically. So. We see uh, K first, you know, in a, at a table with several of the other people auditioning. Uh, and then, you know, they're they get called in one table at a time. And then uh, we see one group of uh, of uh, people applying for the position who is this brown haired, I guess, girl named Natsu Nina. And Nina thinks to herself, 
that okay well i see i recognize this girl next to me that's mimi agasa there's this girl kazuma hyo and then there's some girl with glasses that i've never seen before but i mean she's probably good because i the only one i the only one at this at this uh, audition who has less experience than me is keionagi so presumably all of these girls here are more experienced than me so they meet the director whose name is goro inui and so they're like okay to begin the audition process my question is, why do you want to audition? And so they're like, you know, come on, anyone. Uh, and then a lady in a cap shows up. And she's like, yeah, so they're looking into what how your communication skills are. And they're like, don't interfere in the audition process, please. No, no, I'm going to. <laughs> Fuck you. Fight me. Um, and... Nina recognizes the woman immediately and she's like, yeah, you know, I actually offered to play myself as a teenager, but I don't have a teenager skin anymore. So what, which is why I'm going to kill one of you and wear your skin. Ren Tamaki, she is now 33 years old. So, yeah. Uh, So she says this and, and she says, Hey, you know, come on, you know, show me what you've got. Don't be nervous. And so the girls speak up one by one. One of the girls says, you know, I don't like doing TV work at all, but Taiga drama is different because the rehearsals are so much more elaborate. The work is interesting. Uh, the the other girl next to Nina says, well, I mean, your guys are the ones who sent the audition announcement to our agencies. So we're here because our agencies told us to audition. I'm here because I got into acting to because I need money and I'm talented at it. That's all. Uh, and then the girl in the glasses says, I'm here because my agency sent me too. And, but I trust their judgment and I intend to land a role today. And they're like, all right, cool. Um, and then that there's Nina and she starts to introduce herself. And, uh, Tamaki's like, I know who you are. You're the most famous person here. You're, you were in that one girl group. Uh, you're very popular and you've got commercials and fans and, and stuff. And Nina's like, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I know I'm not very good at acting, but I'm going to try hard to catch up. Then they do a script read. Each of them take a different role. Uh, uh, Nina falls into one of the roles. Black haired girl who is like, I, I don't like TV work, cries on cue. Uh, blonde girl is like, uh, and then glasses girl stands up in front of blonde girl and turns her back on the people actually hosting the auditions in order to like, you know, try and gain their presence and stuff. And all four of them start really getting into it. They're standing up out of their seats and stuff like that. They've actually put their scripts away and yet none of them are ad-libbing. They've already actually memorized the script that they have. And Nina's kind of worried because she is not sure if she's actually going to be able to keep up, but she is. And then uh, after that, uh, Tamaki speaks up and says, Hey, I want to know something. Why did you start acting before the audition started? And was like, what are you talking about? And then the girl with the glasses takes off her glasses and says, well, I was told an audition is like an arranged marriage to gauge compatibility. And I was told that there is no guaranteed formula for set for success. So I figured I'd have an advantage if I can show I can play lots of different characters. And he t- she takes her hair down and it was K in disguise all along. So I heard some people say that they were like, wow, what a surprise. And I really like i guess this is just something i didn't pick up on the pussycat thing in the last chapter but in my mind i was like yeah, everyone's realized this is k right this is 100 obviously k in disguise i think it's kind of weird she's <laughs> trying to pretend she's someone different but yeah it's k uh 
I do remember thinking as I was reading it, this girl looks a lot like Kay. Well, it's like it's also it's like, hey, we were in a group of four characters, and Kay was the fourth in our group, and suddenly now we've disappeared, and this all three of yeah. the girls that were at the audition were sitting at the table with Kay before they go. To and the now audition, a character so. who, if you took the glasses away and put her hair down, would look exactly like Kay is there, and you're like, maybe that's Kay. Um, look. Well, it fooled some people, yeah. Chris. You so. know what? And I think in that way, that could be a very effective thing. Uh, if people are able to buy into it, that's fantastic. That that is a good show of this. Um, my issue with this is the same issue I've had with with Actage, where I just couldn't buy it. Like in my mind, I was like, "How obnoxious would it be if you were fucking sitting there? You're like, all right, this is the first table read for Suicide Squad, and fucking Jared Leto comes in in his full outfit with like tattoos all over his face, and he's throwing dead rats on people. He's like, I thought it'd be fun to get into character first, and he throws a condom at your face, and he does his big ha." And you're like, oh, I hate this person. I hate any person that does this. Um, two okay. things. One, I do actually really appreciate that Tamaki's like, why are you doing that? Like, she's seen yeah. through it apparently immediately. That's you know is a very that's a stronger indicator of her character than anything else that goes on this in this chapter. I think. Two. So, what was the note that you wanted to uh, that you had about this that, chapter? That, that was, was it. it the the K thing. thing. Yeah, I, I, I do. Okay. There was one thing I was a little disappointed by. We got to see Takami's face. I wanted to never see her face. And it was like this elaborate thing that if she's the same girl from the movie, we're never actually meant to see her face. But we did. Mm. And I was like, oh, so either she's not the girl from the movie and we're just completely wrong. Or she's a human being with her own agency. and She actually has a face, uh, I guess. I don't know. Fuck art. Jeez. <laughs> It's not like they couldn't just frame her while not showing her face. It's easy. It's even. It's even easier to do that in manga than it is in. Uh, in yeah, a movie, maybe so. it'd be too much of a gimmick. In my mind, I was like, that'd be kind of a fun, cool thing. But maybe after like two chapters, I'd be like, just show her stupid face. Who cares? <laughs> I probably was never going to be happy. I'm such a pig. <laughs> Uh, I kind of have mixed thoughts about the way that uh, Kay played the audition. I, I thought it was a unique. I I, I do like the very shonen way of handling it you know like oh it was me you know that 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 whole thing um and i don't think it's as bad as you would make it out as if jared leto showed up at an audition like that it's just it's just her playing herself down in order to kind of have like a more leave more of an impact it's it's just uh, so uh let me give you guys a great recommendation if you are a fan of the show scrubs at all uh, I highly recommend checking out the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Uh, it is uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison, J- JD and Turk from the show, who actually are apparently very good friends who have a relationship that is essentially the same as the two characters they played on the show had. Uh, it's a very entertaining show. My brother describes it very aptly as a, a warm blanket for the soul every time you listen to it. Uh, it's very good, but they they every time they talk to somebody on the show, they talk about how like their first edition auditions go, and every time I'm just thinking like, what if this person had gone in and just decided like, all right, so I'm in front of the network executives, and they are debating between like four or five people. What if I just don't even introduce myself and I just go in as the character immediately? And I'd be like. No one would ever accept it enough to be laughed out of it. I know. It, I know it's, it's, this is a manga. This is supposed to be eccentric. It's one that's, as I said, I can't buy into this manga the way I should be able to. Here's the thing. Okay. 
that's the exception that proves the rule when that kind of thing works. Because uh, there are definitely examples in history of how that kind of behavior actually worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when George Lazenby uh, became James Bond, he basically just did it by showing up and acting like an arrogant asshole like James Bond in like a full tux and with a Rolex and stuff. And then just he had no acting credits to his name other than doing like commercials. And he would pretend that he had done films for like France and uh, and Germany and other places that it was difficult to check that kind of stuff on at the time. And then there was a point during the odd where after he had like impressed one of the uh, casting directors or producers or something like that, they got he got brought over to meet the director and he couldn't remember the entire story he had told the previous person he had bullshitted his way through the door to. So instead, he was just like. Yeah, you tell him what I told you, basically. <laughs> and then they, they uh, you know, repeated all of the lies he had said. So that way he didn't have to keep the lies straight. So and that all worked because that was the kind of weird, com- charismatic asshole that they were looking for for that role. Um, so there are cases yeah. in history where it has worked. But yeah, I agree with you. Where you look at it, and it's just like that would never work. And it's like sometimes it yeah. would. I, I should say it's, 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 it I should work. say it's more obnoxious than anything else. So I guess certain times you would be charmed by it. Yeah. Uh, All right, Chris. Eden Zero. You talk. Yeah, about let's it. talk about Eden Zero. So much to talk about. Chapter ninety-seven. The time is now. <laughs> That's yeah, it's John Cena's uh, reference. In case you don't get it, we did get a wrestling reference in. You know, we said we wouldn't, but it happened anyway. Talk for like an hour about wrestling <laughs> earlier today. Yeah. So, uh, and if you want to check it out, there will be uh, there should be a highlight on the stream where you we can find it on there. All right. So last time, uh, Dragon Joe became uh, completely uninteresting because he became a big generic blob monster, and uh, he became a thing out of. Dead yep mm-hmm. and turns out you can't just punch those things down you apparently do have to shoot them sometimes <laughs> uh he's just become a big angry monster and everyone's like what's happening uh there's a moment herman explains basically like his ether's gone out of control but apparently he it, it's causing some kind of energy accumulation within him and it's because it's become this crazy fusion and suddenly the the Eden zero has to take off they're like, are you just abandoning us? They're like, no, it's because Satellite Blaze has activated from the last arc. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. You described, you know, like the reaction to Dragon Joe is what's happening. And honestly, that's kind of like that. Just, that's just like this. This entire chapter is like, what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, uh, the satellites activating uh, Dragon Joe with his big, crazy eyes is like, ha ha, kill everyone. Ha ha ha. Um, so he's lost all aspects of him that were even remotely interesting. Um, and then he is, I I guess they're just breaking out through different areas. His little tentacles actually pop through the screen. It looks like, and they start ripping through and tearing through people. So, uh, which, and the other, um, well, it's actually just Witch Sister and Hermit, because uh, Hamora is down the plan. They have to go and stop the satellite, so that's what they're going to have to do. And they're like, we're just got to trust Sheiky can do this. Uh, we cut back down to the group that went down to destroy the chamber. They need to get out of there, because the building's all falling apart. There's a moment where it looks like Pino's going to get crushed by a big rock, but Sabir saves her. And uh, she, at first, is like really horrified, because she had suffered a lot because of him. But... 
Uh, she thinks back to what Weiss had said about, you know, this not being the same Sabir as they know him. And, you know, he basically, she basically says like, huh, I guess, you know, thank you very much, essentially. And he smiles and they, they have a little moment. But she has a moment where she thinks to herself, that's an anomaly. I recall him why saying that, but it's not in my memories. Uh, so she's able to record. Because that was in the the other timeline where Weiss yep. said that, the 29th instead of the 30th. So maybe there's something there. Maybe robots can go through time. Uh, then we get a bunch of really gross stuff because uh, Rebecca's being attacked and it's a big tentacle monster who's going everywhere. So there's a bunch of tentacle grabbing stuff and it's, of course, her and her yeah, mora. Yeah, Chris, this is one of the most popular Pokemon. In <laughs> Apparently, <Netflix. laughs> yeah, like a tongue's very popular <laughs> tie, as we found out. Um, Dracon Joe's is there. He's going to suck everybody's life force. Nobody could try to stop him. Shiki and, and Wise are powerless against him. He's just beating them up and down. Uh, Weiss is basically kind of knocked unconscious completely. Dragon Joe turns one of his tentacles, like he uses alchemy power to turn part of himself into a gun. We get some really disturbing images of Hamora and Rebecca being attacked by the tentacles. Like one's literally like fish hooking her in the mouth. It's very gross. It'd be more. One of them is ripping. One of them is ripping Rebecca's shirt yeah. off. And is like, what the I fuck? would say like in my mind, I was like, wow, it's kind of savage. The idea that it's like really just like ripping them apart. But then you're like, no, it's to do it in sexy ways. And then it's awful. And I hate it. Um, it's only it's only the girls that are being groped yeah. this way. Like Weiss and Shiki are being attacked by the tentacles and it's going bah, 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 bah. and you know when it attacks the NPC the you know the the unimportant characters earlier, it just like spears them yeah. and kills them. It's like, it's very it's, bad. So Shiki has a gun pointed to his head and he uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess he sorry. just So before we okay. get into this weird confusing bit, sorry. Just the fact that Draken Joe takes part of his mass and uses his alchemy powers to turn it into a gun so that then he can hold the gun. It's just like, why don't you just like transform that tentacle into a gun? And then (laughs) (laughs) he transforms it into a little tiny hand so he can hold a gun. It's very because he's hey, Nick, that's not just Draken Joe, the monster in there. That's Draken Joe, the gangster. Draken Joe, the DJ. Dragon Joe, everything. So I actually forgot to mention it. There's one scene where all the like various different uh, Dragon Joe creatures are like talking because they all have a whole thing like I am Dragon Joe, I'm undead. I hear you. I really Joe. wanted one to be like I'm a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's just on the turntable. I'm like, wicka, wicka. everyone's like, yeah, he's part of us too. I guess I don't know. Or what? Like, if one of them was there and he's like, "I never kill people with, as long as they're yeah. useful." And the other one's like, "I love killing <laughs> kill, people." Kill, 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 kill. <laughs> so Shiki has a gun pointed at his head, and he seems to have a flashback to what he said in World Twenty Nine right before he died, where he said, "Someday I will beat you, and then I'll be your friend, you friendless jerk." Which is a weird thing to say right now. Maybe he will become his friend, or maybe he won't. Either way, bullets fired. It's like that scene in Superman Returns where it's like in slow motion kind of moving towards and we have a collage of flashbacks of everybody's grief when shiki died before the bullet starts dropping he says you won't have a someday dragon joe back in world 29 and then shiki responds today 
someday is today and then a bunch of glowy stuff happens and he metamorphoses. Well, he used his gravity powers to force the bullet to fall into the yes. ground before it could yeah the, the bullet so. fell because presumably his gravity powers and he begins to glow and change and suddenly he's activated i guess the true overdrive and he says i will never make my friends cry again so he now has white hair and his arms are black and he looks like he has like maybe horns or something. It's kind of tough to tell. He's gone Super Saiyan essentially. He's activated his overdrive and is is yeah, it's a dumb chapter. It's a, it's a, bad, it's a bad. It's chapter. it's weird. There's parts of it that should be kind of good, but it's weird that I didn't pick up on the Pino thing before because I read this chapter right before we started this podcast or the the stream today. So. I didn't give it like a full once for, uh, but it's weird that that's in there in the same chapter that Shiki also seems to have some ability to recall what happened in that other world. Yeah. And, I mean, I presumably we'll get a thing that's because the explanation for why this is happening with Drak and Joe literally like they ask Kermit about it and she's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so maybe the explanation we get for why people suddenly have memories from another timeline that they shouldn't have anymore is going to be completely unsatisfying or maybe there won't even be yeah. one. Uh, it's it's very strange and out of nowhere uh, that this is it just it just suddenly happens. Um, and I, I just that whole sequence with Shiki is like that's supposed to be his big badass thing of like, I'm never going to make my friends cry again. And it's just so lame because Shiki's lame. And yeah, he's has, he has horns yeah. now. Cool. Whatever. Hey, we got a $10 donation then from Cynthia Rill. Thank you very much, Cynthia. You're awesome. Now get back to folding shirts if you're listening. She works at the <laughs> store I work at. Aw. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't particularly love this chapter. It, it's really bad. All the stuff with Rebecca and Hamora is really gross and not good. And Drak and Joe has completely lost everything that made him interesting. Um, I guess Shiki's new form could look cool. I don't know. Like, it, it's just it's a weird chapter. I don't really get why Shiki is responding to the stuff that happens. It, I mean, they could explain it next chapter, maybe some reason the timelines are blending but it is weird that he's responding to his own statements from that timeline yeah all right bone collection bone collection is ready chapter six i don't want to hurt you so they're going on the mission thing that abe has told them to do and as abe and Dickbag and Pyra are on their way. Kazuha, I think that's his name, are are on their way. Uh, Pyra is singing to herself in really like apparently awful sounding song about vomiting. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to see Bay, the Shuten Doji, and Pyra is happy because Bay is her friend. And uh, she says, yeah, you know, we, every single time, every single time that I had one of my stupid yokai battles, he would always join me for, for drinks and we would drink until we vomited. And that makes me want to sing, I guess. And Kazuha is like, you have friends. OK, so. She's curious also as to why Bay is being targeted by exorcists. Uh, Abe transforms into her muscle form to kind of intimidate her, I guess. 
And Pyrus says, well, I'm going to find Bay and talk to him about this, and I won't let some kid put a hand on him. But she's also very intimidated by Abe. So they show up at a mansion that they've tracked Shutendoji to. And uh, Pyra calls out to him, just goes out and is just like, hey, it's Pyra. Uh, meanwhile, Reno, a, a wild Reno has appeared. I'm jealous. <laughs> Oh, sorry, let me do that. Fabulous! <laughs> I can't believe it. I like the dedication oh. to the bit. <laughs> I didn't mean to go that high. <laughs> so, uh, while that's happening, some Oni come out of the house, and Kazuha's like, oh no! Uh, but um, Abe casts a binding... Uh, like barrier around the kids so that they'll be protected. There's a whole bunch of them. Abe grabs Reno and rushes off with her because, you know, that's what Reno does. She gets kidnapped. Um, and uh, Abe's like, I'm going inside. So you you guys take care of the Oni. Do not worry. If you raise your synchronicity, you'll win. Your synchronicity levels are low, which means you've only been using 1% of your potential. Your feelings aren't in sync. Yep. Okay. All right. So it's a good thing that she knows that, I guess. She knows a lot about this forbidden spell. Anyway, so Pyra warns Abe, hey, don't lay a hand on Bay because he won't. He doesn't hurt people. Uh, but Abe doesn't seem to really listen to her. Pyra pulls open her, her uniform, boobs, fan service, and she's like, Use a bone so we can defeat these minions. And Kazam, Kazami, that's his real name. Whatever, I don't care. Kazami, <laughs> Kazami refuses to pull a bone from Pyra's body and instead uses these seals to stop the Oni in their tracks. Because you see, Chris, he's completely useless at doing anything that an exorcist is supposed to do except the forbidden yokai spell, which is why all of the spells that he uses work perfectly. Uh-huh. All right. So Pyra gets mad at him and he says, well, I don't want to use the power of your bones. And Pyra says, well, you can't win, though, without them. And she but uh, so Kazami says, well, actually, these Oni, but or I guess Pyra says that, whatever. Uh, Abe flies like Superman through the window yep. after dumping Reno on the fucking floor. And Reno gets up. And is like, children, go home. And they're like, who are you, ma'am? And she's like, how dare you use a word that implies that I'm, eight, that I'm older than 12 to describe me. And they say, what do you mean go home? Go home where? Our home is right here. And they have creepy eyes. Nick, it's spooky. It's Boon Collection. Marka, marka. <laughs> I, I assume you're doing that because you don't think the series is going to what survive. What do you mean? No, this series is going to live on forever. <laughs> so what if there's four new series coming out of Jump like in the next month? This, it's, this, this isn't one of the ones that's going to be canceled. No, but the ones that were the buffer are definitely going to be gone. <laughs> so Abe is walking through the halls of this mansion. Someone with a luchador mask that has a unicorn horn coming out of the forehead says, Hey, you, what did you do with my mansion and my kids, exorcist? And I was like, I guess I'm here for something like illegal trespassing into the human world. Oh, you seem really mad to see me. Oh, I get it. And they start to, like, fight. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Kazami now has to fight Pyra and the Oni because she's like grappling on him, being like, use my bones, use my bones, use my bones. Uh, and Kazami's like, no. And even as she forces his hand to touch her, it kind of like is blasted away. And she's like, it's like your hand is repulsed. And then she throws a big freaking crying fit on the ground. It's like she's Reno now. And so she's like, you only think of me as a yokai now. man." And Kazami's like, hey, come on, stop and think. These Oni are protecting Bay, so maybe they're his friends. And if that's the case, I wouldn't want your friends' friends getting hurt. And he, like, bridal-style carries her and starts running away from the Oni as this giant explosion rips out of, that, out of the house. And Pyra realizes uh, these are Bay's mud dolls. They're Shikigami, not Yokai. And Kazami's like, oh! Well, why didn't you say so? And Pyra's like, because you were so gallant and cool s- just now. And she's blushing. And Kazami's like, why are you blushing? It's like, she's, she said she would marry you, you dumbass. So. Oh, my God. She's like, now pull out the bone. And Kazami's like, all right. And, she, and there's like a decal on her chest now. And so it's like, oh, this intense spiritual energy, it's much more than it was before. It's like five times greater, 5% instead of 1%. And he pulls out a freaking another katana. I thought they were all supposed to be different. He pulls out another katana and cuts up a bunch of the, 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 the Oni. Yay. Huzzah. Everyone in the series is an asshole. So there was a moment I almost thought this was going to end up being a good chapter. When Kazami is like, hey, wait, don't just like the reason I'm not just taking out your your bone and fighting people is because clearly these people are protecting him. These might be his friends. He's thinking of of Yokai the same way he did when he befriended that cop away at the start of the series where he's like, they, they could yes. be real people. They're not all monsters. So this should have been a heroic moment for him as opposed to being a weird romantic moment because it doesn't work as a romantic moment at all. Like Pyra is already supposed to be in love with him and i guess that this could make her be more in love with him but it's not really working as a romantic moment it should be a heroic moment that shows why kazama is supposed to be like a good person um and then they just very quickly are like oh wait no they're just dolls kill them and then he kills them and that's a chapter and you're like "Ah, fine i get why it's romantic because it's like hey this whole thing we just arbitrarily introduced is like you need to be more simpatico with your person and that way you can get more power, but the more they want to bang, the stronger they'll be, Chris. Yeah. It just doesn't really work as a romantic moment at all, and it becomes very exhausting yeah. when you have to sit through it. I'm, I'm very tired. Yeah. yeah. No good. Also tired yeah. in general. <gasps> Mashal. Magic and muscles. Mm, cream pops. Chapter 18. <laughs> <laughs> got one for every one of them. We got we to gotta get one for every one of them. <laughs> I can't object to that one at all, either. It's like, that's not an appropriate Yeah, that's exactly what it's about. Chapter 18, Mash Vanded and the Magic Scale. Bolty Brow's guy wakes up in, uh, presumably, like, I'm not sure if it's his dorm or, like, the hospital. I think it's supposed to be the hospital because there's, like, curtains anyway. Not the hospital, the um, infirmary, I should say. And so he's, he realizes, like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm human again. How did that happen? And he, he hears noise and he looks over 
and Mash is on the floor doing uh, various exercises. I think that he's doing those like twisting sit up things, which are murder. Um, and he's like, so Baldy Brows is like, what the hell are you doing? And Mash is just like, I'm working on my exterior obliques. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 he's 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 being very true to himself. He's absolutely doing. Baldy Brows guy is like, why? I was your enemy. And Mash says, I guess. But when was one of us is in trouble, we're all in. And he bites his tongue <laughs> and blood shoots out of his mouth. <laughs> Just, just for no yeah, reason. He, just, he was, he just he was saying a natural thing. Fucking... He bites his tongue. He's like, I gotta go now. <laughs> just leave. Just leaves. And leaves Bolty Brow's guy to think about what, what Mash just said. We cut over to the Lang door. Alder? Yeah. Lang? Alder is the good guys. Lang is the bad guys. Alder door. Adler dorm. Sorry, my mistake. Lance is sitting there along with... They don't call him Barrick, even though Barrett's easier to remember. Um, but I'm going to call him that until I remember what it is. <laughs> and they're kind of like staring at each other and they're not really happy to see each other. And Lance observes, what do you think you're doing here? And did you change your hairstyle? And yes, he did. He's got like bangs, but he still wears the Renji headband. So it looks really awkward. Like, that's supposed to keep stuff out of your eyes, dude. What are you doing, like, putting stuff deliberately beneath the headband? He's got to be his own weird thing, I guess. So, and he... Barrett declares that Lance is on... Is going through life on easy mode. Because... He... he, He's that kind of character, basically. Because they get angry at each other for a little bit. Although Lance expresses this by being nonplussed by everything. They look like they're going to fight... And just as they're about as they're about to come to blows and Finn is freaking out that they're going to fight in the middle of the dorm and he's asking them to go outside. Mash comes in and he's holding the broken door just the way he was when he went into the Lang dorm before. And he's like, yeah, guys, what if you broke something? <laughs> it was it, it, it's without fail recently that there's a moment when reading Mashal I just stop and start laughing and the moment where he walks there's no sound effect to it all it's just him clearly holding the door he's broken off the hinges and you can't help but fucking laugh at it one of you guys broke something um But afterwards, Barrett takes out a little gift bag with a ribbon on it and offers it to Finn. And Finn's like, what what is this? And he's like, look, I I don't impose on people without bringing a a, without bringing a gift. And so Finn's kind of blown away by this. Like, he's actually got really good manners. And it turns out that the gift is herbal tea. And so Barrett's just like, sample the aroma one is my favorite. (laughs) Those weird layers to these characters. So they're all gathered around together, the four of them. And Lance says, we need to strategize how to acquire coins. And Barrett says, and I need a girlfriend. I mean, okay. At that moment, Lemon comes in and she makes a very air gear comment 
Like, this is the most air geared that I think Mashal has been because she sees the four of them. And she's like, four men and one of me. How could you? She yeah. just like clutches herself defensively. And it's like, what the yeah, fuck? it's a very strange moment. Fortunately, I do appreciate because air gear would never do this. You know, Finn just goes, what? We haven't. What are you? You're the one who came in here. What are you talking about? You know, just like calling her out and how weird that this is. And fortunately, Lemon immediately recovers and she's like, oh, I came for a reason. And so she brings them all over to this magic scale in the hall. And this is like the hourglasses in. in no, no, no. It's a scale. It's very different. It's It's very, very it's enough different. You can't sue us. You fucking Um, prejudiced bitch. But anyway, there is a display in the hallway that very clearly shows how many gold coins each dorm has gathered. And so uh, Lang Dorm is in the lead at 15. The other two dorms have one each. And of course, the one belonging to Adler belongs to Mash. I am kind of curious about uh, what the one Orca gold coin, because I get the feeling that eventually they might become a bit more yeah. important. So she kind of recaps what's going on with, you know, what Lang's trying to do and stuff. And she also mentions that Lang upperclassmen who could stop them are away from school on internships. So that implies that further down the line, there could be, you know, more powerful students who are just away right now. And that's why they're not influencing this struggle for coins, which is a cool, just just a nice little line to leave out that you can come back to later. Um. And Lemon also notes that Orca cares more about research than competition, so it's up to us to put a stop to this. And Barrett is just like, Lemon's so sweet, he's barely paying attention. <laughs> um, and then he gets upset when Lemon says that she's counting on MASH, and MASH is just like, okay. <laughs> sure. So they all pose together, the four guys. Well... And I think it's more worth noting the three of them post. Finn just happens to be there. Finn's just, <laughs> Finn's, <there>. Finn's just <laughs> he's, present. He's not with them. Finn's not with them because they're, you know, yeah, Lance and Barrett and Mash all pose together and they're all doing something cool, adjusting their uniforms, leaning over. Mash is putting on like weights on his wrists and they're like, yeah, let's do this. And Finn's just like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, However, immediately after Mash declares these muscles will flex in the name of peace, which is a hell of a sentence, uh, he suddenly we suddenly cut to him in like a, a conservatory of owls. Uh, nothing like this is an awkward shot. So, but he recalls that oh right, there was a, a bit of a, pun- a very light punishment that he had to actually endure recently that was given to him by Wahlberg. So. Um, and so as a result of that, he's kind of being delayed in action in terms of actually taking action in this coin war. But Lance also shows up and he's like, Hey, you know, you're a, you're a target because you've got a gold coin. So I'm going to help you out in case they come. And Mash is like, Oh, you care about me that much. And I just, I don't make me kill you. <laughs> uh, I will note, uh, we did just get a donation, then $5 donation from, uh, Carito prime who says, fuck JK Rowling's trans rights. Absolutely. My man. I did really like your tweet that you made earlier this it's, week. Wait, now that we have Ashton, we just don't need Harry Potter anymore. It's fine. It's fine. We could just forget Harry Potter existed because we have a, a better version now. We cut 
over then to two of the members of the Langdorm elite, the, what was it, the, the, the Magus Knock or whatever the, they were the, called? Yeah, the Lupus fucking 12 or some shit like that, yeah. I think that Mash made up when yeah, he was the young, Magia right? Lupus so, or something like that. I think that's it. So, or Magia Noctis? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, uh, there's two of them. There's a, a big, bald guy with a weird face and got eyes that stare in opposite directions. And then there's a more of a pretty boy who's got this, like, peacock-styled giant circular blade. Uh, the bald guy, Elore, the other one asks, I forgot says about to this. him, <laughs> Did you know once time passes, it never returns? And Elore says, Yes, everyone knows that. Please stop acting as if you're making a pronounced statement. It wastes time. <laughs> Just the idea. You see this character. He looks like this big, crazy, insane guy. His eyes are going off in two different directions. He's just like, arr, arr, arr. And then, like, the pretty boy, and he says something. He's, like, trying to be cool. And then suddenly the big, tough dude's like, yes, everyone knows you're saying nothing of interest to anyone. <laughs> it just, it's like, everyone knows that. You're wasting time by saying this. I, I just love that fucking... It just caught me completely off guard. I did not expect that. Mash is a very funny series, and you should read it. Yes. Oh, my God. I love this chapter. Um, a couple weird points, but uh, this is still just such a fun series. Again, it, it's another chapter that got a huge laugh out of me while reading it. and those just feel so special every time I see one. I do feel a little bad every time we recap it because I'm basically just being like, guys, listen to how fucking funny this <laughs> yeah. story is. I'm like, guys, you know you come to this podcast for entertainment, but there's a funnier series out there you should be checking out. <sighs> Chris, do we have any more donations? Can we just like not? Uh, it's going to require people to start making donations now before you get up. I guess not. You guys are going to talk about it. Yeah. Mission Yozakura family. Mission 38. Pew, pew. I'm boring. <laughs> <laughs> one for all of them. Was that the one you did I don't remember week? what I did last week, so I made up a new one. <laughs> Winners and losers. <sighs> so Tayo is at school with his wife, and they're just hanging out, doing nothing. And she, well, Musumi's trying to like be cute with him by like trying to get him to kind of like do lady in the tramp on some pocky with her uh and we get this narration that says there are two kinds of spies in the world ones who've been trained in an unfair environment like the other secure family i get to be a lovey dovey with a cute wife winning spies who get ranked first in the up-and-coming rookie spy pool and once you weren't born in a good family, don't have any skills, and have been turned down over a hundred times straight by girls, and get ranked first in the rookie spy who will disappear soon, Paul. Loser spies. And we see that the narrator is a spy in Mutsumi and Tayo's class who wears a face mask, I guess, because he at least respects social social distancing. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, said spy is named Sosuke Michibata, and He's very forgettable. He's Kuroko from Kuroko's Basketball, except that he's a giant <laughs> dickhead. So, and like he's constantly like reading, like he's reading quote unquote spy boy. So he's basically just reading porn in class and he keeps on reading articles about how to become a, a ladies' man spy and stuff. Uh, and he, at one point, in class just gets really upset about Tayo 
And so he swipes his magazine away and replaces it with the Spy Boy magazine. So it looks like Tayo is reading a porno mag. And Tayo's like, oh, where did this come from? And I was like, oh, Tayo's a pervert. And Musumi's just kind of like, eh, you're a boy after all. It's fine. It's understanding partner. Yeah. Yes. So this apparently to Michibata is the ultimate revenge for Tayo daring to have a good life. It's so okay. it's very compelling. So, he's he's making a good strong case. Yes, uh, and he talks about how he uses his spy abilities to basically just you know make his way through life easily. Which is like, if you're a spy, why do you need to go to fucking school? But whatever. Uh, he does things like you know copy off of people on tests, hack into girls' accounts because he's a creeper, and set traps for those who bump into me and don't apologize because he's so easy to overlook. And he's like, I don't have much of a future in the underworld, but I can get by in normal society. And he's just doing stuff like swiping away food and stuff like that, staring at girls and stuff. Uh, but he tries to, like, get the food that he that he uh, just stole to a, a cute girl with a big with a big chest. And somehow the guy, a guy manages to take it from him immediately and is going goes to get the girl instead and he's like fuck you and he has taken a bunch of secret photos of her and then he's upset at her because she didn't notice him so now he's going to delete the pictures that he took of her because that's revenge question mark it's very interesting uh but he also has been stalking with me because she was god why is this chapter still going (laughs) And so he's like, oh, he's imagining, you know, like Mutsumi, you know, making out with him and stuff. And Tayo suddenly appears and puts his hand on his shoulder and is like, stop fancying out fancying about my wife. And turns out that Kyoichiro tipped off Tayo about the spy in the class. And he's like, watch over that useless piece of trash spy because he uses spy techniques to make trouble. And Tayo's like, yeah, I noticed you for the first time after he told me about that. And then he just kind of like has this deeply pitying look on his face and says, I guess there are spies out there who are completely hopeless. And Mijibata's like, and Tayo actually tries to like be reasonable with him after what he's done to him so far. And he's like, look, just delete the pictures you took of my wife. Why don't you? And, you know, look, you know, you don't beat yourself up so much. We're both spies, you know, and Michibata's like, but you have, you, but you're a, a main character like you who is forced over by everyone will never notice a supporting character like me. Stop. Look, if you're going to put freaking incels in your manga, don't piss me off when you do it, okay? <laughs> That's a fine line to strike. Is, is, is there a way to do it to not make it annoying? Because incels are awful. Um, look, this character is dumb. This like, we're not technically done this chapter, but this is a dumb character with a gimmick that is not very interesting. I, yes, I also enjoyed Ishibaro and I shield 21. Uh, he wasn't a main fucking character because I also enjoyed Kuroko. Yeah, exactly. It's like, (laughs) look, you can make that character kind of funny that nobody notices them. You don't need to make them a, a, weird creepy fucking person who just bitches about things all the time like i i another character who's obsessed with tayo and mutsumi the shocker we got another one of these in in fucking michigan yuzakura family and it's so exhausting i like we have to be up to like 
seven now, right? Like there has to be like seven of these fucking characters. Oh, he tr- he basically vanishes in front of Tayo's eyes because he's so forgettable. But Tayo shoots him as soon as he hears a, br- a small noise with the taser gun. And then when Michiba tries to run away, he trips over one of the traps he set himself. Falls to the bottom of the stairwell. Tayo tries to help him. He's like, Aah! Musumi's passing by and Musumi knows him by name. And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. You picked up the eraser for me that one time. She's like, oh, it's an angel. And then his phone falls on the ground and, uh, and she sees the secret picture she took of her, he took of her and is like, destroy him, Tayo. And Tayo zaps him some more. And that's the end of the chapter. It's do something different. Please. Yeah. <laughs> We've we've exhausted this. We've exhausted this to death. If this is supposed to be another character supposed to be relevant to the series, maybe. But we Fuck we off. well we've also yet to see anyone outside of the flower guy who showed up for like two chapters and has kind of been referenced since then. No one's felt like actually significant to a long run of this series now, which is actually like a decent chunk into the way it's going. So it, maybe this is someone who's supposed to be around more often, but I, I really hope not. Or if they do I guess you kind of have to do like Barrett did and you just forget the way they were introduced and they stop really playing into that so much because I'm just so tired of these characters who show up for one chapter to be really obnoxious to Tayo and Mutsumi and it's for some reason supposed to be funny and then it's done and they never show up again. Like I'm just I'm I'm not interested in this anymore. <sighs> Time paradox ghost. Rides. Dang, your plagiarism is ready. <laughs> I know you did that yep. one last week. Gotta stick with the classics. Chapter four, counterfeit. So, Tepe has determined after his conversation with uh, Itsuki last week that he has to carry on with doing White Knight because only he can realize it now after she has basically left it to him. Uh, and so we have a brief little summarization of like, hey, you know, in order to make a weekly manga, you need assistance to help you and stuff. Uh, and so we're introduced to Tepe's assistants. They are named Genki, a young assistant who has won like a, a Tesco uh, award runner up. So he's very young and energetic. Hence, his name is Genki. Uh, there's a guy with glasses named Hajime, who's very serious and pretty soft spoken. And then there is uh, someone older guy named Jiro who uh, basically, over the course of the series, of, of the chapter, basically takes over as lead editor pretty quickly because he has the most experience of everyone. He's worked as a chief assistant before, and he knows a lot of stuff and is very good at planning stuff out. Uh, Yamane is what they refer to him as, basically. And the last assistant is Itsuki. All right. Which... <laughs> Wasn't expecting that necessarily. So that's one way of keeping her involved in the story. Um, and so she's like, hey, you know, we happen to have the same idea for the series. So I figured I would help you to make it as good as it possibly can be. And so this is interesting because I wasn't expecting this. And also, yeah, now that there is the point of this chapter, basically, is that there is now this additional pressure on Tepe to make White Knight as good as possible because the creator of White Knight is there, even if it's not the same creator that he is <clears throat> stealing yeah. it from. So, and uh, so Itsuki's like, you know, gives her whole spiel uh, for all this and stuff. She we quickly have like dynamics re- evolving between the characters where Yamane is the one who's kind of got everything figured out. Genki and uh, Itsuki clash because they're the two young people in the group and they're both the most energetic and stuff. And then we've got Hajime there and he's 
quiet. <laughs> he's just this tall guy with glasses who occasionally is just like, this is very good. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> uh, so they begin to work on getting the manga ready for like serialization. They've got to do the premiere chapter and stuff. And because of all of this pressure that's on Tepe, he keeps on throwing away uh, the art as he's working on it. Cause he's like, it's not good enough. This is disrespectful to both Aino and to the Itsuki Aino in 10 years. Uh, and so he's, you know, thinking to himself, like maybe I could tell her the truth. Maybe I could suggest she draw it, but what's she going to do? Copy a manga her. She herself is going to draw in 10 years and publish it. Read the one shot and then make up the rest from there with a decadeless experience. What if she doesn't want to do either of those things? Then I'll offer her feelings for nothing. The desire to apologize would do nothing but suit my own ego. So he's caught in this situation where he feels like he has to carry on doing this himself. The problem develops quickly, however, because he is dedicating himself to doing this. And also he is giving himself very high standards to live up to because, as it turns out, and all the assistants agree, Aino is a prodigy and... Tepe is not. They don't agree on that point, but they agree on the first point. So it's, I know a prodigy with 10 years more experience made this manga. So yeah, of course, Tepe's is not going to be as good as it. And because he's putting that pressure on himself, they're running into delays because he's like, I don't have a single page done yet. Uh, But they're looking up through the pages and stuff that are scattered around him. And they're like, no, you've got some really good stuff here. We could, I mean, you've got, it's so much better than the one shot. And we could start working from this. And he's like, no, it's not good enough. Let me redraw it. So they're like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Because do we have enough time for him to redraw this and then for us to work in the backgrounds? And so Yamani comes up with the idea of, well, we can use the stuff that he's already worked on as a base, put do the backgrounds from what he has done, and then he'll work on the new artwork, and then we'll combine it together using using computer technology. And so it's like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> So they do that, and then you know half of the time left until the deadline passes, and they're like, "It's done." I mean, it's great. It looks great. It's real. It looks good. Uh, it looks better than before. And then Tepe, they are all looking over, and he asks, "I know, what do you think?" And she kind of hesitates for just a moment, and then she smiles and says, "It's really great. It's perfect." And Tepe stares at her for a second, looks down at the pages that she's got grabs them all and tears them in half and he says it's not enough and they are down to nine days before the deadline and they have zero finished pages so it's interesting i do like that you know we're seeing this uh tepe is so like dedicated to this idea we're kind of seeing what we saw in the first chapter where he's like, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to push myself. And seeing that because he doesn't have a magical microwave right now to just give him the next chapter, he he's, he's panicking. Cause he he's worried now that now she's there. It creates this idea in his mind that he has to create something that's worthy to the vision she created because he loves this manga so much. And I, I do like how it's pushing him. There's not really a ton to say about this chapter of the three new like editors or uh, assistants. They introduced, it feels like only one is probably going to be really all that relevant. Um, but who knows? Mm-hmm. We still have a lot of it. Um, I do like Ayano. I, I think it's it's a very fun twist for her to be involved now as as a assistant on the story. And mm-hmm. I, I do just like the subtle touch, too, that there's a moment she looks at it. He's, he, he's watching her expression. The next one is like, yes, I think it's really great. It's perfect. And he realizes he's like, nope, it's not enough. I didn't I didn't get 
that reaction out of you the way you gave to me. So, yeah, <clears throat> I do really like that because of her presence there, Tepe is running into that perfectionist problem that a lot of artists and creative people have, which is that he has something done that is more than good enough. But because it doesn't meet the standards he has set for himself, he is not going to put it out. And it's costing yeah. him because he's running out of time. And I do like the way that the sci-fi element of it uh, with the time travel paradox and that the past Aino being there to kind of act as that needling point for him introduces a problem that most people just create internally. Yep. So it's cool. All right, Nick, let's talk about We Never Learn. Question 161, X equals Sleeping Beauty of the L Literary <gasps> Forest Part 2. Hubba hubba. What are you doing? You didn't say pizza bed. Oh shit! Uh, X equals <laughs> you. That means you. That pizza. means you're forfeit. Oh, shit! No, no, no! Here's my third. <laughs> this week on We Never Learned for Vito in the Mirror. Oh, we got real close to that. Um, X equals uh, see beauty uh, literary four. So Fabino opens his chapter and she's working on her hair. Then Uega shows up. He's like, "Good morning. Thank you for having me again." Fabino's father's like why are you Go here today? Home. He's like, yep, I'm going to work hard. He's like, ah, your mom suggested it, but please no funny business. Uh, her dad's like, Hey, hey don't, don't treat you like that. And he's like, yeah, this is coming from a girl who nearly spent an hour in front of the mirror this morning. She's like, what? No, I didn't do anything like that. Honestly, I just rolled out of bed like this. My hair's a total mess right now. Oh, look, Look at all. Look at these very natural, fashionable curls yeah, in my, my dangly. It just rolled out of bed just like that. Yuega's like, don't worry. You're just the same as it's ever. Just... And just for me to like, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, we cut over. Yuega's helping her do the study and everything like that. Uh, she's just like, kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll make the correction right away. Goes to reach for a race, actually jumps off the table, and Uega, like a like a dive bomb, like, lunge, like lunges across the table. He volleyball saves it. He digs it yeah, out. Yeah, and like a, like a big Sojo moment, like when he's surrounded by pedals, he holds up the eraser. He's like, you're a racer! You dropped this! <laughs> it's just, I love for me to be like, what? Thank you. All right. Wait, what's happening? And then, of course, he's just like, oh, is your ankle okay? We really need to be careful with this. I want to support you with every little thing. And, you know, we see times pass. He brings out some sandwiches. And she's just like, wow, you, you didn't even used to be confident in the kitchen. She's like, oh, my sister's been teaching me. Hope you like it. And she goes to eat, take a bite. And he's like, no, no. If you eat too quickly, you might disturb your ankle. I'll take responsibility for feeding you. And I like her response. Why would a sandwich disturb my ankle? <laughs> but he's like, you might have a point, but just to be safe, I better feed you. <laughs> well, the way he's playing on feeding her, he doesn't like have the sandwich chopped up into little bits. He just is holding the half, the other half of the sandwich between a pair of tongs and they're like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's like, I'll take responsibility for feeding you. Just focus on your studies. Uh, she's like, oh, so you're going to feed me then? And then he, he like swoops her up in her arms basically and he's like ha leave this to me i'll carry you off to the bathroom it's just like karate chops and she's like hey you're taking this too far now it's just my ankle that's injured 
I can still handle things on my own. You know, you don't have to worry about that. He's like, oh, okay. Well, I'll make you a smoothie then. It's supposed to be good for brain and injuries. So she's like, man, he's really overprotective. You know, he gets away taking care of people, but he's so cute when he's earnest. It's a little hard on my heart. And then she starts staging. But she's like, so if I married you wake up, would it be like this every day? And she imagines herself as, like as a mother, and you wake walking by with like a like a basket full of laundry, and she starts blushing. She's like, Oh, what's wrong with me? I'm being stupid. I can't I, because my friends, everything like that. And, and besides, well, honestly, I mean, like, you probably would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and she's like, I, what am I doing? Besides, it's not like Naruki likes me. He just feels responsible for my injury. That's all this is. You know, if, if, if it weren't even for this injury, he wouldn't even be here right now. And he's like, oh, why are you spacing out? So she she goes to, like, get a glass of, like, to grab a glass of juice from him, the smoothie, uh, which I guess is entirely liquid. And she spills it on herself. So she's like, eek. Uh, so he's helping her dry off, takes her to the bathroom, whole thing. She's like, it's my fault. I was being clumsy. I'm so clumsy. Uh, and then she's like, huh, I don't think this towel's really working. I'm going to need to, like, wash it out of my hair. And Uyga's like, oh, okay, well, I'll go outside. She's like, no, you don't, you don't need to go outside. So, she basically takes advantage of the fact that he was willing to do everything for her to let him wash her hair for her. So, he's, he's you know, doing that whole thing. He's like, let me know if it itches anywhere. And she's like, ah, I feel so good. And she immediately starts feeling guilty about herself, which probably she should. This is kind of a weird way to extend this thing but she's saying you know i'm taking advantage of his kindness and being selfish i'm so sorry you know until this injury heals for just a little bit longer i want his attention you know i know it's meaningless but it's it's just so frustrating and uega says sorry for me now after all you did to make your hair so nice today and she stops she's like what do you mean you said it looks the same as always he's like yeah i mean by which i mean you're as beautiful as ever which is obviously a much better way to have responded to someone saying their hair looks nice. Than- should have said that. Should have said that the first yeah. time, buddy. So he's like, "Oh, you know what? I'm not trying to say, you know, insinuate anything or be weird by you know, just a general statement or anything." He's like, "You know, I just I feel bad for messing up your hair. You know, I I I don't know a lot about it, but it must be hard making it work to like how hard work to make it look so pretty every day." And she's like, "Well, I guess us girls just put a lot of effort into grooming." And then she's like, "Oh man, when I think about." If only if, if if it was to get Uega to to call me beautiful, all the effort seems worth it. So he says, like, huh, it's kind of weird. It's almost like I'm a hairdresser and you're a client. And Fumito says, hmm, I think it'd be more appropriate if or more fun if you said it's like we're a couple. Uega's like, what? And Fumito's like, nah, shit. I said the quiet part loud. <laughs> and then she goes to like. Be like, oh wait, no, no. If I, yeah, <laughs> she's like, if I give him brain damage, he won't be able to remember what I said. Uh, so she slips. Uh, there's a big thing to get all mixed up there. Uh, she's just like, oh no, 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 that was just one of my female psychology lessons. That's all it was. Uh, you wait, goes looking away because uh, we have to do the see-through shirt joke for the ninth time in this series with Firmino. So uh, he, he basically, she even says, now I'm getting extreme deja vu because I legitimately think this has happened at least five different times with her throughout this series. This in particular with the sweaty. Yeah, yeah that I mean, this has happened multiple times. So basically, Uega leaves for the day. He's like, hey, dinner's in the fridge, everything like that. And uh, she says, so uh, thanks for everything today. And he's like, yep, see you tomorrow. She says, yep, see you tomorrow. And she keeps thinking, hmm, until this injury heals, I wish it could last longer. I wish we could always say see you tomorrow to each other. So no, no little joke or anything like that at the end of the chapter. A little sweet moment. 
Yeah. I do like the the absolute lovesickness that Fumino displays so far in this story arc. And it definitely feels much more like an extension of the story as we had before uh, than what we got with Yogata stuff. Uh, so I didn't think that this chapter was great, but I do appreciate the kind of continuing tone that we've got. Um, and there were a couple of sweet moments. I do really like the part where after she's fallen into him, uh, they start to remark, no, it actually really does feel like we're a couple, yeah. but they kind of cut it off and stuff. So there's that real sense of tension to it. Yes. Uh, and of course, and I'm sure that like, if you're really big into Uiga and, and Fumino, you, and this were to have like happened properly in within the course of the series, then this would have been a really big ship teasy moment. Uh, so I thought that this was effective, but it wasn't great. So, all right, Dr. Stone. It's time to get stoned. Z An oldie, but a goodie. 153 uh, war game. So <laughs> this is a, the, the first two pages have nothing to do with the rest of this chapter, but still. So Magma gets this big, stupid look on his face and he's like, come on, guys, let's evaluate the state of this war. And he calls over uh, Yo and his LeFou guy Um Mantle, I think is his name. Anyway. So, uh, Yo is like, you know, it's really weird whenever you speak politely. It, it freaks me out. And Magma says, shut up or I'll kill you. <laughs> so, immediately he says, listen, no way I'm out to kill that piece of crap. I'm out to kill that piece of crap they call Dr. Zeno. We came here for corn. Dr. Zeno's got the corn. The quickest solution is to kill the guy. Duh. Uh, and Yo's like, what the hell's wrong with you? But then Magma's like, well, hey, if we make, if we use your gun, the three of us can take care of the problem really fast. And it's a, and you know what? This isn't a reckless rampage. It's a well thought out strategy. And he basically put the idea in his mind of everyone bowing to Yo for saving the day. Uh, and so the three of them run off like stupid little kids down the ramp. And then immediately Nikki is walking back with them under her arms and over her shoulder with giant lumps on their heads. Very good. Very funny. Um, so, and, you know, she, she just calls them all saying, like, you idiots, you can't deal with someone who's got a machine gun. Uh, and afterwards, Sukasa says the exact same thing that Magma did. Let's evaluate the state of this war. But, of course, he sounds way cooler than Magma. <laughs> anyway. In order to assess the state of the war, they... <laughs> Make a hex grid, like a bunch of fucking yeah, dwarfs. Yeah, they, 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 create, they create their D&D map, and they have to analyze where the most encounters will show up. And also, they're trying to gather resources, so it's like Settlers of Catan. Yeah, extra nerd points. So, um, they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on, but uh, Ukyo and... Because... Uh, um, they ask the question, do we know where the enemy base is? And Ukiyo says, well, if we use the directions we got from Chrome's call, that we can make a rough estimate that it's here. Uh, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And Ginro brings up, well, if they know wh where we are, maybe we should run off on the Perseus. And Ukiyo says, well, the enemy has a spy plane, so that'd be pointless. Sailing away would cut us off from land-based escape routes. Uh, 
And Ginro immediately is like, oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Just what I was thinking. Sukasa asks Hyoga, if you were Dr. Zeno, how would you approach it this? It makes sense. Hey, you were a supervillain at one point. How would you do things? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would become the second in command of the place and then at the opportune moment try to betray and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly what you would do. Now, in this situation, what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the second in command right now? <laughs> I'll be that guy. <laughs> so Hyoga says that in this situation, he would build a pirate vessel. And given the clear firearm advantage, he would use a smaller, quicker boat to board the Perseus and take control of it because the larger ship is kind of a sitting duck. Or they could use a spy plane to learn the exact location and just gun it down from the air. And uh, they also bring up there's no way that they're going to just engage in close combat like they did before because they had no idea what we had in, in our arsenal. Now they know we can fight back. They'll play it safer by staying out of our range. Uh, so their main option is to just get the aircraft they've captured up in the air so that they can have a dogfight. Hence, they're going to go forward with their plan they mentioned last time of turning the Perseus into an aircraft carrier, which means dumping one of the sails immediately. It's gone. Bye. So... Uh, they do that. They're working on staying stuff up. They're trying to build a runway. And Ryusui and Senku are just freaking out over, like, just being giant military dorks, basically, about how they're going to get this plane off of the ground. Um, they also surmise from the construction of the plane that Zeno's forces don't have a lot of rubber because the plane has these has glass skis like a like, like a water landing plane. I forget exactly what that's called. Hide, whatever. I was going to say, um, if you're going to ask me, it, nautical, nautical, if you're asking me, you're, nautical you're, plane? you're asking the wrong person. I'd be like, ship, ship shoesies. <laughs> so they don't have wheels, basically. And so that's something that they have the advantage over is the fact that they have bamboo from mm -hmm. Japan, uh, which is not common over in, in the Americas. So wait, they basically that, are using that. Is that bamboo plant I bought fake then? They told me it was real. So uh, tangent, because that's what this podcast is. Uh, recently, I was playing board game night with the, the Beth that was in the chat earlier and everything. Uh, her and her husband and another one of our friends. Uh, we were playing a uh, a couple board games, and they were like, "Wow, you're so good at like this one game or whatever." And I was like, "Yeah, it's just I, I'm only good at useless stuff, essentially." And I made a joke. I was like, "Yeah, I don't know how to like change the oil in my car." And they started talking like, "So what do you do?" And I was mentioning like, "Oh, I go to like a Jiffy Lube that's nearby." So like, doesn't Jiffy Lube rip people off? I was like, "No, nah, I don't think they ever really do that." And they're like, "Isn't one of the big things like changing your air filters?" Like, well, yeah, they did tell me to get my air filter changed the last time I was in there. They brought mine and it looked filthy. And they're like, "Do you know what your air filter looked like?" I was like. No, I don't. And one of the guys just mentioned, they're like, yeah, I think one of the things they do, too, is like windshield wipers is like, you know, I think they did say they were going to replace my windshield wipers, too. And I'm like, did I walk into that, that place? And I was just cooing. I was like, cool, cool. Can you, fi can you fix my car, please? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> This this chicken seems like a pigeon to me. <laughs> the longer you're in there, the longer they, the more they look at you, the more they're just like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> they're like, oh, we're going to have to put some more headlight fluid. And I'm like, well, that's I don't want my headlight fluid to be low. <laughs> 
It was really weird because over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed that my windshield wipers are actually the point where they really need to be replaced. And I'm thinking like, uh, I need to just like, I'm lazy, so I should just take it to like a car wash place. And then they'll <laughs> I'm do it. so bad. Now, look, I will say it was an improvement to get those new windshield wipers. I probably did need new ones. They do fall apart. Eventually, but so. I definitely. You don't need them replaced as often as most <laughs> I definitely places feel like I was the big side. And I was really like praising them. I was like, no, these guys are good. You know, I've been really, I've been hornswoggled by places in the past. These guys should be right. Knowing full well that those guys have like. <laughs> I went in for a $30 lo- oil change. And, I, and a hundred. After my wallet was $500 later, my car was like. And a $160 later, I left with a new air filter and a new, and a new air freshener. <laughs> That there was like I've never I've never heard of the practice of bringing someone else a different air filter and pretending as the person. Oh yeah, there's 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 got to be a fucking like uh, one that they just have that's covered in like old leaves and dirt, and there's just like a piece of tape on front of it that just says Rube air filter, and they just bring it in whenever they think they have a Rube, and they're like, "Hey Rube, your air filter needs changed." I'm like, "Oh my golly, gee, that sure looks bad there." Yeah, definitely fix that up. What you should have done on it, what you should do if anyone ever tries that on you again, is go. Did you take that out of my car without me giving you permission to do that? And see how they react. Yeah, um, that's too confrontational for me. I would just be like, no, oh, okay, I guess I need a new one. <laughs> you have to be wider, Chris. God, I can't. <laughs> it's so bad. All right. Okay. Anyway, get back to the manga. They're talking about this stuff, and they're talking about the modifications to the plane. And the thing that Senku hits on uh, is that, yeah, so they didn't have any... Th- Without the wheels, they didn't have any other landing options. So this is what they did instead. And Ryusui realizes, so when he lacked the right materials, he just created a new design. So this guy is pretty sharp. But then he thinks a bit more and he realizes, you know what? If I were a pilot, I could tell... I, I'm a pilot and I could tell from the way that that spy plane was flying that it was it was meant to be spotted. It was to be a big display for us to realize we have nowhere to run. So maybe he wants us to sit here. I'm not wrong about this. And we cut over to Zeno's headquarters and he's like, they cannot escape. Hence the reason we deployed the spy plane to discourage them. And a large woman shows up large in like three or four different senses. I will, I have to say she's very tall. She is drawn by Boichi. Um, and she is freaking 2% body fat or something yes. like that. She is insanely ripped. And she's eating this big old ham hog as she's talking. And she's like, oh, are you going to beat him into submission? And so Zeno says, I have a solution that's more elegant. I'm going to keep them pinned down and assassinate the enemy scientist. Which, of course, gets Gen freaked out because he knows that they're going to try and assassinate Taiju. And so... Zeno says, you know, in order to bring this, this kingdom down, all we have to do is eliminate their leader, Dr. Taiju. And Gen's like, ah, yeah, but can you pull that off? And Stan uh, just lights up a cigarette and takes a puff and goes, I can. And Gen hesitates for a moment. Then he says, how exactly? And Stan just says, I can. 
because he's fucking awesome. Honestly, <laughs> it's just so. I'm a, I I don't know why exactly this hit me so well, but it's just like it's not even like he's confident or bragging. It's it's like he's resigned to how good he is. Is the way that he is the way his expression looks to me in this picture. Yeah. Anyway, no, I agree. And Zeno says, when Stan claims he can get the job done, there's no need to question it because he can. And Stan runs off in order to do his mission. Gen thinks to himself, oh, my God, Taiju's going to die. Uh, and so we cut over to the planning meeting of the Kingdom of Science. And Yoga brings up, you know, we could give up on the corn. We could abandon Gen and Chrome and Kahaku and we could sail to sea and that would save us. And Taiju's like, we're never going to do that. And Yoga says, I know that. But the enemy doesn't know that. And that's my point. So Tsukasa realizes, all right, so they're going to try and attack us. So Tsukasa brings up what we're going to do is we need a small elite unit. Dr. Zeno is the source of their science. Our goal is to capture him, which is why we're sending ninjas after him. That's what the little drawing they have is. It's ninjas. So, <laughs> And the unit that they're going to send out will include Tsukasa, Hyoga, Ukyo, and Suika. Yep, the dream team. And I love the react the, the little the first panel that shows you know the three guys standing tall, and then Suika's just like me. <laughs> <laughs> so Gen sums up everything, thinking to himself while he's over next to Zeno's side. Neither side can move its base. Neither side can flee. It's a science siege that could turn into a Kingdom of Science versus Kingdom of Science battle, determined with a breakneck attack. And we see uh, Stan rushing off with his mask on, with a machine gun ready, and then the four uh, scouts basically rushing off together, and Suika's hopping along in her melon form. So, yep. Exciting. Uh, there were very much so. like three really cool moments in this chapter. Yeah, so. I'm excited to see, I forget the army dude's name, Stan. Stan. Yeah. I was like, it's something generic and boring. Uh, but it's exciting seeing that sort of confidence. It really does build up this idea of like a, a really terrifying opposing force, especially when you see they like run into battle with like, I'm not a gun person, but it looks like some kind of Gatling gun at the very least. So, or maybe even a flamethrower. Uh, so it, it looks like there's some, I think it's supposed to be the machine gun we saw before. And you can see the two clips behind both of the yeah, barrels. That makes so. sense. But yeah, it looks really intimidating. I'm, I'm very much excited to see how this is going to go down. Chainsaw Man. Chapter 72. All together. So. Aki announces to Power and Denji that he is going to visit his home in Hokkaido. And he's going to be gone for a few days. And immediately, (laughs) Denji is like, that's no fair. I want to go. And Power's like, I want to go. So. Gaki's like, I'm not going for fun. I'm going to be visiting a grave. But then she says, well, our trip got canceled, so I want to go somewhere. And power is calmer now than she was before. So they bring up, well, who's going to take... Aki brings up, well, who's going to take care of Meowie while no one's home? So they leave him with... Oh, God, I keep forgetting this guy's uh, K- name Kishibe? every time I see him. Uh, is that Kishibe? I thought that was... Hang on a second. I thought it was Kishibe. I might be wrong. It is Kishibe. All right. So they give Meowie over to Kishibe in a kitty carrier. And they're like, 
all right, cool. And then she says, what do you want as a souvenir? Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Power is basically back to her old self uh, in this chapter. I'm not sure if she re- was just, you know, grasping for Denji's attention and she got it. So she's, you know, calmer now or if she just, you know, got pa- was able to get past the initial trauma and is kind of suppressed. It yeah, a I think bit. it's the latter. But, so she uh, is going to, you know, they, they, they basically are annoying Aki the entire trip. Like on the plane, she's like stealing Denji's lunch. She's throwing up over the side of the deck. Uh, they, they go on a bus and she's using the, ha- the the ring handholds as like, you know, gymnast rings to do freaking acrobatics. Then they're walking through the snow and they're fucking pelting Aki with snowballs. Uh, eventually they get to you know, his family grave and you know, he prays for it a bit at it a bit. And then he looks around and realizes that Denji and power are gone. He catches up to them and he's like, Hey, what are you eating? And Denji's like, I stole these grave offerings from some <laughs> crows. <laughs> and the, and power starts bleh, spitting stuff up. And she's like, it was rotten. The power of the darkness <laughs> devil. <laughs> Oh, oh! Then they stop. Uh, they, you know, they go inside for the night uh, in an inn. Bower's uh, really upset that all they've got to eat are vegetables. Uh, and Aki's like, "Well, look, if you can't eat anything, just put just whatever you can't eat, just put it on my and Denji's trays." And so she's like, "This, this, 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 this." And she's like, "There's nothing left. I'm hungry." And so she starts drinking Denji's blood. And eventually the two of them kind of pass out. Uh, Denji wakes up in the middle of the night and sees Aki staring outside at the snow. And uh, he's like, hey, what's up with you? You're all lost in the view. Aki says, shut up. Denji says, you can't see crap in all this snow. But Aki remarks after a moment, every year when I would visit their grave, I'd remember nothing but bad things. And it was depressing. But this time you guys were such pests that I didn't have the time to get lost in that. And then she just just kind of quiet for a bit, and he's like, "You're <laughs> yeah. welcome." Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Oh. We cut ahead to the end of their trip, where Aki is back. Kishibe returns Miawi, and he asks how the trip was. And uh, Aki's like, "Well, you know, it was exhausting having those two. And but he says, you know, actually, they're they behave a little bit better now because Denji does as I say." power stopped throwing vegetables (laughs) and after a moment of quiet he says captain kishibe the upcoming expedition to eliminate the gun devil can division four withdraw from it and kishibe says he's surprised but he says i mean you know you wouldn't be fighting alone public safety's best teams are coming together we should be able to fight even the gun devil on equal footing but aki's quiet and, and he says well if you pull out and you close yourself off from getting well to here, you'll close yourself off from getting access to the gun devil's location because it's classified. And even if the gun devil gets taken out, that information is going to be kept under a tight lid. You won't know. It'll be years before you'll know the devil that killed your family is dead. Do you still want to back out? And Aki says, I'm willing to accept that. So he's like, all right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that you and Division 4 want to stay out of it. I mean, it was an experimental unit anyway. It was kind of a joke, so I doubt they were expecting much. You can 
you can get our bill in exchange. And Aki's like, I always pay our bill. <laughs> that sounds like Aki. <laughs> Kishibe asks him why he changed his mind, and we get a flash in Aki's mind of Denji and Power on the ground bleeding. Um, and I think these are actually shots that have happened in the yeah, series that's, so far. Yeah, that's uh, Power when the Darkness Devil came and did everything. And I don't know if that's Denji from around that time. Too. I think it's Denji from around there, too. Many times Denji's gotten his ass kicked. So, <laughs> And Aki just says, I got cold feet. Uh, Kishibe accuses him of having gotten a lot saner. And anyway, Aki goes home. Uh, Power and, and Denji are there. Power is bonding with Miaoi. Denji's like, I cooked up some super good grub. And Power's like, I helped, too. And they have this weird assortment of like vegetable noodles, which uh, Denji says like, yeah, I did that stir fry thing with bean sprouts and sausage and egg and soy sauce. And Aki wants to know what the purple looking thing is. And then he's like, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. He refers to it as probably some secret ingredient the power put in. So they're like, Hey, you better eat. We worked hard on this. Aki's like, okay. He starts to eat. They ask how it is. And he throws up immediately. And they're like, they're like super proud of themselves. Like, now we've all barfed. Oh, Oh, man. What a chapter. It's a very, it's a sweet chapter because it's like, look at this messed up little family. You know, all these weirdos and Aki and, you know, they comfort Aki in a weird way through it. And he comes to he's, you see that he's come to appreciate them to the point that he's willing to give up his life's goal of vengeance in order to protect yeah. them. And it's very sweet. It's so. a very sweet sentiment. It's 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 a good chapter. It, it makes last chapter feel I, like in a way you're like, oh, it's only like one chapter of power being like that. But you're like, yeah, that's kind of like for how much I enjoy power. I really don't want her to be moping for a while. I do believe that was something that she was legitimately going through. And we kind of moved past it. We can still see a small influence there when she eats the food. She's like, ah, the darkness devil did it. Like it's it's something there. You enjoy it. But it's it's just fun seeing these characters being so sweet. See now, I mean, it's only been a 72 chapter series so far and so much character yeah. development has happened over the course of it. It's, it's crazy. I really enjoyed yeah. it. It was a great chapter. So. <laughs> the promised Neverland. Chapter 180. You're everything. Who gives a fuck? I don't remember what I did. I think last time I did like the SpongeBob in my leg. So, Raya had asked Emma for her family for the reward. And Emma was like, well, but then he said he had to send my family to the human world so he couldn't claim it. So he just let me off scot free. Yay. And everyone was like, we believe you. And then they're like, oh, right. We shouldn't have believed her. And we see that the actual consequences are that he wants to take away basically the concept of her family. He's done turned a one more day on from Spider-Man on her. So she's in the human world and in the snow somewhere. And some guy finds her in the snow and takes her in. And Santa Claus has saved her. Hooray. Uh, 
And she can't remember who she is, and she can't remember her family at all. And so she's got lost her memories, but there's like an echo of her memories that make her sad because she just knows there's something missing. And also she's trapped there because, uh, you know, there's no signal out in this wilderness, I guess. And there is like some pictures of her, but like there's no one else in the picture. It's like burnt out somehow. I don't know why she even has the picture at all. That was a weird thing. So time goes by. She spends a month with Santa Claus and she has like dreams of memories, but everyone's faces are erased and they're just all saying Emma. And she's like, who's Emma? This place feels nice. Oh, I woke up. I'm sad and alone. She goes outside and because the because Santa Claus isn't there. She goes out and she happens to see Santa standing in front of all of these crosses uh, sticking out of the snow. And he's like, they're my family, my family, my friends, my home. I've lost them all in a stupid war. I alone was left behind in the Kringle Wars. So uh, they're all dead, but they're still family. And this buried village is still my hometown. As long as I stay here and remember them, I can be with my family and friends. I wish I could search for your family, too. If they're alive, you'd want to see them, yes? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember anything, so... The inside of my head is like this snow, pure white and blank. But when I look at this necklace, I feel something. The morning after I have that dream, I feel sadness, even though I don't remember anything. Even though I forget the people when I wake up, I feel warmth. I long for them. And without understanding why, it makes me cry. They go into town and uh, Emma's family is still looking for her and they like do like an American tale where they pass by each other not looking. And, yeah. This is the second to half, la- second to last chapter of this series, guys. Yeah. Like, so look, uh, I just want it to end. I just, I just, I don't even necessarily hate this moment. I like, I just, it, oh my God. So how do I explain this? This moment could be fine. But the whole premise leading into it is dumb and stupid. It shouldn't have happened, and thus I hate it. Like, Emma's little speech here is fine. There's some poetry to it. There's some some real tangible sadness to it. But this entire contrived circumstance of, like, I guess, actually, they did take something, and they flung me to a different place, and I lose all my memories, and I guess Emma didn't say anything. Like, it's just one of those things you're like, I guess we had, we didn't have to do this. We just did. So I guess that this is what we have to get in response, fine. But I'm so tired of the Promised Neverland, I just want it to end. That's all I can really think about. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a matter of, like, you leave, you put a certain amount of faith in something. Um, and without faith, you don't have patience for a fictional work. Mm. And a fictional work can exhaust your faith. And make you just reject anything that it presents you that isn't instantly gratifying when that's been exhausted. And that's what's happening here. There's nothing in particular wrong with what happens in this chapter. It's just kind of asking you to get invested in something else without any payoff again. And you just have to wait for it. And suddenly the next chapter is the last one. It reminds me of the ending of Gravity Falls. For those of you who have watched it, you'll know what I'm talking about. How there was a certain plot point that came seemingly out of nowhere. But that was a very good series from beginning to end. And the finale was also very good. So I was willing to overlook that one moment that I had a bit of a problem with. Mm -hmm. 
especially because it was done in a way it was done for a reason that made sense. It was just resolved in a way that was kind of a cop out. Um, but yeah, so someone in the chat has brought up, why did he, why did the guy even bring Emma into the human world? If he was going to take her memory from her, it's like, I guess that he has to fulfill the promise of putting them all in there. But like, he didn't have, he could have dropped her in the middle of the ocean. If you want her to forget, like, I guess it's supposed to be a thing like you've like a genie wish you've you've lost the thing that was most important to you. And that's the true suffering all along. But like, I don't know. Anyway, Black Clover. Let's talk about Black Clover. Nif, Nick, whatever your name is, Station 253 Bloodshed. I don't need to have a thing for it. So the magic of abs. Uh so Verica is floating noir. She got stabbed. It's real bad. Uh, but she's like, nope, it's not. It's not enough. Devil power, fifty percent. I'm stronger now. So she's not down yet. Uh, Laura Pachika is like, hey, look, we, we, my spell is gonna make it hard for blood to congeal. But like, she's still powerful. So like, we're not just gonna beat her by punching her. Um, and we see like a fight going on. Noel does like some swimmy, some, some mermaid moves, and uh, Verica's like, I'm all fired up, and she goes up one percent. Um, oh, fired up, yeah, so good. Uh, and Noel's like, Well, just one percent gave her a phenomenal increase of power. Oh, so how that works. That's how that's how percentages work. So She's like, blah, blah, blah. They have like a big thing. Numbers going up. It's higher. It's higher. Uh, Noelle tries to ask her. She's like, did you come my mother? And she's like, I don't even know who your mother is. I don't care. Maybe I did. Who cares? Uh, uh, there's the fight with the tongue guy and Mimosa. I don't know why we're cutting to this. No one cares. <laughs> there's <laughs> it's a, it is a pointless <laughs> battle it's they've told us as such <laughs> uh so we cut over to like i don't know i guess it was yesterday i don't know when it took place below pachika is talking to them and it's just like hey you know what would be really good like we could beat them because last time i lost and i got cursed but this time i don't want to be so um i think you guys make it easier for me to be confident. But right now I'm scared and I don't want to be scared. It's very sad. Uh, so she says she's sad. And we can see Nero's there. And she's like, oh, no, I shouldn't cry in public. And they're like, no, of course you can hug her. Uh, there's some fanfic that happens afterwards, but we can't talk about that. So what? what are you talking? I don't know, about? dude. I'm gone. It's it's all gone. We're just rolling at this point. So we cut it to the present. I don't know why we went to Mimosa. Who cares? But the number's to 65% now. So she's swimming around. She's doing all sorts of stuff. And Noelle's really... She's she's doing a lot of fighting. And they're like, hey, you you gotta get her... You gotta get her as high as you can. Not like... In terms of, like, drugs. But, like, in terms of, like, the power she's gonna use. And they're like, ah, this is what we got. This is what we've done. This is what we've been waiting for. So she's like, all right, we flash back to this again. I don't know why we didn't just get, we flash back again. And she's like, we got to make her use all the devil power that she can use. Uh, and because she's such a basic bitch, we know if we just like, like get, come at her slightly, she's just going to like, she's going to do it. Cause she's really predictable and dumb. So we just got to survive a fight with her. We'll, and then we'll, we'll do it. 
And that's they're like we have a big trump card, and our trump card is the arcane station. And then they stop because it would spoil what was about to happen on the next page because they use narrow. Narrow pops out and she steals her because that's what she does. And she's like, "Gotcha, bitch!" And that's how the chapter ends. Um, I'm glad to see Sekre get involved because she is actually a character that I care about, and that's about yes. it. This was, I mean, I really didn't like the whole, like, I'm using 50% of my power. 51. 52. 53. Ugh. So, um, but, I mean, the entire purpose of this chapter was to make it seem as if they had managed to land this sudden killing blow on someone and they had to explain why, at least. Yeah. Okay. It's very, it's very okay. One piece. Super! Chapter 981, joining the fight. Kid attacks Scratchman Apu with a bunch of metal, making giant Oh, no, we're both, oh we're bo- God, we're both at that point, aren't we? <laughs> so everyone's like, I thought that he was in prison. And they're like, and Queen is very upset about this. It's like, Babanuki, you fucker. You told me that everything was fine over there. <laughs> so... Uh, Kid, of course, is really pissed off at at, at Apu because, like, you you were gonna you seem to be really eager to join our alliance, and I should have figured out right away that you were an informant for Kaido. And he gets up in his face about this. Uh, Apu says, "Like, what did you really think that us teaming up would mean that we could, you know, actually defeat one of the four emperors? Wake up!" And uh, he uses his voice ability to slash uh, Kid uh, across the stomach. Um, and uh, some random people on the ground are like, hey, uh, Miss Queen, um, these guys might be tough to take in alive. And Queen's just like, you have permission to kill. So they're like, yay, us nameless losers will def do that. Um, killer is on the scene as well. Uh, a giant dude named Hacha shows up and he's got a yep. mace. And he's one of the numbers. Numbers eight, it looks like. And, of course, his laugh, wouldn't you know it, is... Delicious. So, uh, they're like, oh man, is that guy a giant? He looks even bigger than a giant. And yeah, he's very tall. He's a very tall person. So, yeah. Uh, Luffy... uh, Covers a bit for a kid by uh, stopping an explosive arrow of some sort that is shot at him. Uh, He says, come on, Jaggy, let's run to the castle. You just had to go and cause a scene, didn't you? And Zoro's like, you're the last one who should be talking, Luffy. And Kid's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And uh, as Killer puts it, they're all idiots. He's right. He's absolutely right. Everyone he's working with currently are idiots. (laughs) There was a thing that someone put up... um, of like you know a comparison of like captains of their first yeah. mates that I saw on yeah, Twitter. I see that. So it's like you know killer with kid, killer a kid is an is an idiot. Killer is smart, and then it's like Shanks is an idiot. His first mate is smart, and then it's like Luffy's an idiot. Zoro's an idiot. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, killer uh, tells everyone to cover their ears when Apu attacks, and it works. So apparently, only if you hear the sound effect that he makes will it actually affect you. So. That helps to explain why his power is not actually nearly so powerful as it could be. So they're running around ha- causing shit. 
meanwhile, people up, up with the Toby Rapo are observing what's going on and stuff. Uh, they're, you know, talking amongst each other. And uh, one of them who's looking over everything is like, you know, I've heard enough out of Queen. He wants to kill someone. Well, so do I. And we cut over to Big Mom for a bit. And she's talking with some people. Uh, and she's like, uh, I've gotten in touch with my crew. And it sounds like the ship is fine. They'll be arriving soon. But someone says, well, Big Mom, that's, that's strange because there are no signs of ships at the main port. And she says, what port? So, <laughs> so we get a recap briefly of where the forces are riding around and stuff around the island. That's going on. Uh, Sanji spots a pleasure hall and he goes in. Yep. He likes he likes he likes women. Well, it's yeah. yeah they know it's uh, it's where Black Maria is. So he goes inside, and then he comes out immediately. So he didn't see something he liked. But there's no there's no women in there, and it turns out that the place is basically completely empty. So, uh, so he was very disappointed. Uh, people are running around and stuff like that. Uh, and then uh, Big Mom says to herself, "Oh, I hear a lot of noise outside." And so Kinemon shouts, "Oh, oh!" Someone's poking their head out. Everyone jump into the water. And so at that moment, Big Mom sticks her head out. Everyone who was on the the uh, bridges and decks and stuff is has taken cover, and of course, someone who couldn't do that is Captain Chopper, who is in a tank. And so the tank happens to be rolling by right in front of the window, and he's like, because ah! he's right in front of yeah, Big Mom. I do like that. So. People are saying that the, he saw Big Mom. I didn't think it was the same building i might have i might have just gotten that wrong like someone might have said that she's staying where black black maria is right now so yeah i do like it so we cut to the falls outside wano and uh of course since big mom's crew doesn't know about the actual port uh, of wano they're going up that waterfall again (laughs) fool me once (laughs) this time this time so they're going up. Perospero is leading them, of course, as they go up the, uh, the waterfall. And they're like, why isn't there any other way into this place? <laughs> so um, and also, though, they're wondering about the alliance they're supposedly forming. Uh, a whole bunch of the siblings are there. And, you know, so there's a few familiar faces among them. But anyway, uh, Perospero is like, this is exactly where King was waiting before. And they spot someone else flapping up above them. And Prospero's like, oh, no, not King again. But then they realize, no, it's not him, because it's Marco the Phoenix, formerly of the Whitebeard Pirates, and he's got glasses now. Yeah, well, we saw him before. I think he had glasses. Uh, it. He was wearing eyeglasses it, to show that time had yep. passed. <laughs> I, I also like uh, fucking, uh, oh, hello. Lady. Oh, hello. Yeah. Um. I do like how, yeah, it, it, it's it's only been two years, basically, the time skip. Uh, but Marco has felt like he has aged, like, an entire generation exclusively just because he put sunglasses, he put eyeglasses on. <laughs> uh, so he spots Big Mom. He's like, oh, I guess that rumor about the Alliance was true. Uh, they, And then he just, you know, descends on them and just kicks them out of the air and topples the ship over. They're like, not again! as he flaps over them and he says like the next time you show up the times may have moved on a bit more than before and as big mom's ship goes plummeting down another ship is going up the falls 
and there is some sort of cat person who's like, what was that? Big old ship falling over there. And there's a woman who says, look, it was Marco's work. Haven't seen it since that war. Is that not Cat Viper and Okiku? I thought the Cat Viper wasn't with, was already on the island somewhere. Because I thought it was Cat Viper. Because it looks just oh, like Cat Viper. Ezo? People are saying Ezo. Okay. Cat Viper and Ezo. Okay. Ah. It makes sense because uh, it's the white beard. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, know. that's right. We did see uh, Cat Viper went to go get Marco. Um, okay. Who's Ezo? <laughs> that was the person who joined Whitebeard's crew because uh, Key, uh, is Odin was traveling with Whitebeard. Oh, I that believe. okay. Yeah, I thought it was somebody I didn't care about. That's that's right. All right, got it. <laughs> so it makes sense that you know they witnessed Marco's work and that they have seen the war because Whitebeard's pirates engaged yes. in the war. So. All right, there we go. I, look, this is a good chapter. I like it. It's very funny. I like the little jokes. I like how Killer is trying to explain. Like, if you can't hear, uh, you won't suffer any of the penalty. You won't be hurt by Kaido. And all the guys have their canes over there. So I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's manga yes. for this week. Uh, hey, and just as a heads up, we did get one last donation as things go down. We got a $10 donation here then. Uh, from Cynthia Rill, the Rill family coming up big today with lots of lots of donations. So thank you, everybody. Um, actually, no, sorry, the ten ten dollar donation came a lot earlier earlier today. That just got an email about. It and I got confused. Anyway, guys, that brings our final total for all this. Uh, with all this, we we raised uh, five thousand eight hundred dollars, and uh, look, this is incredible. Um, it's 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 absolutely absurd i shouldn't say we raise this this is this is entirely the kindness of all you who have been listening so um, i'm always bad with words all i could say is that we're we're extra bad with words yeah right now. obviously so. uh but it, th- look this is this is incredibly awesome um it's a good feeling and I I have good faith that this money will be used for very good things, and it's 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 very relieving to feel like something good is happening at a time right now where so many awful things feel like they are happening so constantly. So I just want to give a big thank you to everybody who who was here and and who participated today. It is it is beyond the words I could really express. Well, you expressed that better than I think. Okay. <laughs> um, so we should announce. Uh, actually, let's do let's do MVPs real quick. Favorites, yeah. MVP, and favorite chapter this week, Chris. Uh, it's gonna be Chainsaw Man as my chapter of the week, and I think it's gonna be. I, I was debating about giving it to somebody else, but I think I, I think I'm gonna give it to Aki from Chainsaw Man as well. I think this was just a really powerful moment for him. Uh, the chapter is already best, and I think Aki was great. Also, it, it breaks up. What was it like? Five straight weeks that I gave it to Mashal, so or four straight weeks. So there we go. Uh, I'm actually going to give mine to uh, Time Paradox Ghost Rider for favorite okay. chapter because I really because I really like the developments in this uh, chapter. It makes me. I mean, I was very tepid about uh, going forward doing this series, but this introduces an 
interesting dynamic of having this constant reminder in Tepe's face of what the decision he's made and what he's got to live up to. But I'm going to agree with you. Definitely. The MVP is Aki because this is a huge, I mean, it's like, it's not like he does anything in particular really huge in this. He's more just kind of like the person who's there while stuff is happening around him. And then he makes his choice known, but it really, it's a big thing that shows how much he has grown to care about these two people that severely annoyed him to the point that he just wanted to kill them and be done with it at the beginning of the series. Uh, uh, the audience picked Chainsaw Man as their chapter of the week, and Aki was the character of the week. So All right. Know. So uh, real quick, uh, we announced before that we we lottoed off uh, the the next recommendation. Arjun King won, and Arjun King has told us what they would like us to read next. So our next recommendation is going to be a manga called Dead Mount Death Play, uh, about a necromancer called the Corpse God fighting against the church and try, that is trying to subjugate him. He's last ounce of his power against the Calamity Crusher is defeated, but his reincarnation magic activates. He gets transported transported in a world of modern science. So we're gonna we're gonna check that out. I don't know how long it's gonna take. Uh, I know this is one that's being simul published, so we're gonna definitely check that out then and get back to you. And then we will. Uh, yeah, it does sound like an isekai, which hey, we should check out more of this, I guess. Uh, and it's kind of a it's kind of a reverse isekai. Yeah, it really, it. it actually is. Um, but we're gonna go check that out. I know that I know that isekai just means another world, so technically it's not an inverse, but it's an inverse of the expectation. Yeah, usually you go so. from like the modern society to the fantasy world. Um, yes. I just said what was the very bluntest, redundant thing. I'm very smart right now, right now, Vic. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so we'll also be getting in touch with the two other individuals then, and uh, we'll announce those kind of as they come up. So uh, right now, just uh, I don't know what else to say, Nick. Um, words have left me. <laughs> gotcha. Guys, thank you for tuning in. The, both those of you who joined us for the 12-hour stream and for those of us who just joined us for the regular recording, we appreciate you doing that. Thank you to all of our regular listeners who listen to the recording and stuff like that. Keep in mind that you can check out other recorded episodes on twitch.tv slash when they're highlighted, and we do that usually 7.30 to 8 Eastern time. Uh, Wednesday evenings. You can check out our recorded episodes on weeklymongerecap.podbean.com. You can support us by going on patreon.com slash weeklymongerecap. We appreciate all the support you get from you guys because it allows us to do bonus mm-hmm. stuff for you. We would like to give special thanks to NinjaX3i for maintaining the Google spreadsheet, which is very helpful in keeping track of stuff that we've done recommendations for already, whether people want to see, it's, and other cool statistics and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and also it tracks who the audience MVP and uh, series of the week are, which is very useful since Chris could just say what it was instead of having yeah, to count. Who <laughs> everyone saw how good I was at improving uh, numbers and things like that today. So, you know, yeah. Uh, special thanks as well. Got infamous plan for making the visual, uh, the frame for the visual version of the podcast stream uh, to Winston Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz for the opening sequence of week manga recap and that's oh and steve man yeah fuck yeah steve man that's awesome boobs yeah huzzah um nick what do we want to do let's come up with an elaborate choreographed bit to end up this podcast on no do you want to just like quietly like meekly go into the night like oh i'm tired (laughs) just kind of like turn off the the stream and then just kind of like and just like slowly slump into the ground (laughs) (laughs) He's gone.